0: I mean, hey, we had to really want to do this interview to get through that much technical difficulty. Right, right. I know. I'm very proud of us. Let's
1: start recording. Should I do that?
0: I'm recording too, so we're all good. Okay, perfect. perfect. Uh, At least so. Go ahead and like just back up recording because at this okay. point after we tried three separate Mommy. times I don't trust any technology today I am I am um, anti-tech today uh, yeah oh
1: my gosh I was listening to one of the episodes where there were like technical
0: difficulties and you guys were talking about it too and it gets hilarious it after a while it's like you know like we were getting some like critiques on like wow Monica talks a lot and really fast it's like okay so what happened was Skype dropped and I'm just seeing a static person in front of me and I am just trying to fill time until Skype catches up or if I have to press stop. Hey, like behind I, the scenes in really cool podcast world. <laughs> exactly. That's like so funny. Oh I was reading through your questions today and um, I am really excited to talk to you because we talk. haven't discussed any I'm of this so before. I'm so excited to talk to you too. It's like the big thing that like we say, at least in my family, and I, I'm realizing how insensitive it sounds, is at least it's not cancer. And um, right. I'm realizing that's a really insensitive thing to say because you dealt with that. Right, I, right. I probably should really like reframe how I speak because, wow. wow. Well, actually, that's actually
1: like a, oh, such, such a, a great segue, segue into kind of starting, starting the conversation and starting, starting kind of what, what everything is about from five years ago, ago in kind of this mission that I you know, felt myself on in that, you know, I, you know, and as you know, and I'm sure you read, so I had a bone tumor and they're extremely rare, but the majority of bone tumors are benign and something like 0.2% of bone tumors are cancerous. And, 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 and I'm about to go, I'm about to have my seventh surgery in December to reconstruct where this tumor was. And this is a benign tumor. So, I mean, it destroyed everything in its path. My whole knee is replaced. Seven inches of my femur was replaced. And it just needs continual maintenance. I mean, like, like a car. I mean, it's it's hardware and technology. So, what's just, what's crazy about that is that, you know, 15 years ago, you know, I'm 37 today, I'll be 38 in January. 15 years ago, I was 21 years old, about to turn 22, when I found this thing from just pain with, you know, light activity. And, um, I didn't, social media wasn't around 15 years ago. Like Facebook had maybe just been created and just for Harvard or whatever it is. Oh God, a the, the kinder, gentler how all years. how that stuff, you know, went. <coughs> and Instagram didn't happen until like 2010. So five years ago when I was getting ready for my sixth surgery, it was the surgery that they do for individuals that have the malignant version of my tumor. Because this tumor that I had was so extremely rare and recurred with this high percentage that we decided to do the most radical thing, which was to take out all the bone involved and replace it with what's called a distal femoral replacement, which is basically a knee plus. So like a knee plus up as much as needed to take out of this my femur. And I was dying to talk to anybody that it had this surgery, because I was kind of excited, because you get your, you know, you see all these stories of people getting their near place, whether they're in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, that are like, they have a new lease on life, and they're like, wow, I had so much pain, and, you know, I'm doing all this activity now, and it's just, you know, overnight, I was walking within a day of surgery, you know, you hear these crazy stories, and I decided to use Instagram and search hashtags of, like, different tumor types and that kind of thing. And that's where bone tumor awareness was born. So So now it's like four or five years later and like close to 1500 people in this group and all different, you know, malignancies, benign and all that kind of stuff of different types of bone tumors and, and situations. And since it's so rare, it's one of those, you know, conditions where it's really up to your surgeon to decide your, you know, their best treatment path and all that kind of stuff. And you see all these different stories come, you know, in all these different online groups of. You know, things that you're like, oh, damn, that really sucks. That probably wasn't the best idea, you know, for a treatment or whatever it is. It's kind of like an armchair doctor, you know. But and I'm sure we all of us people with chronic pain or chronic issues are like, oh, they really got like the shitty end of the <laughs> stick with that, you know, that position. Um, and, you know, that's another hard thing. There's like less than 200 specialists for this in the United States and mo- mo- even more. Um, of an issue, finding somebody overseas. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of how this was born. And I found who are now people that I haven't even met in person that I would consider best friends, you know, that you bond hardcore over all this stuff about. And, and I was finding the most people that I could ask questions about with, a tumor that's called osteosarcoma, which is, you know, it happens even in dogs. It's, you know, a, a pretty aggressive malignant tumor of the bone that starts in the bone. And um, that's when I said, you know what, malignant or benign, we're having the same surgeries, the same pain, the same everything. And I want to bundle that all up into one because full disclosure, sometimes when I go and talk in some of these you know, support groups for people that have had cancerous lesions, I still kind of feel like I'm a little bit of an outcast because, you know, these people have to undergo different, you know, types of treatments and radiation and chemo. Sometimes they don't and we'll just do a surgery and we'll be continually monitored. But, um, but, but yeah, yeah, that's when I was like, you know what, I need an all-encompassing bone tumor group for all of us to share all the different surgeries, or even talk about physicians that we love, or whatever it is that have been great for us, because these are hard to find. I mean, this, I will, I'm i on my fourth surgeon in seven surgeries. So, and I'm I'm going to be an exception of somebody that's very picky, and like, Very, you know, advocating for my health to be what I need it to be and my treatment to be what I need it to be. Right. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of like I said, even though I went off in a long, long story for you, but I mean, that's a great kind of starter into how I wanted to, you know, I wanted to give credit to these people like myself um, that have underwent and now about to go into a seven surgery. You know, and I know some people with malignancies that have had one surgery. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's just all varies. And I, I don't want to discriminate and say you can't come in here because you don't have cancer. I want to say, hey, what surgeries have you had? What treatments have you had? Some people with benign tumors have gotten, um, there's a medication called Exjeva, And it's like essentially a, a shot that's technically, I guess, under the chemo realm, but it's intended to shrink a tumor before doing surgery on it if it's in a sensitive place, like an ankle. Or something, or something like, like that. that. So, um, so yeah. I mean, we get all types of different treatments because they're so rare, and these physicians are just trying what they think they know works best. Whether it's either radiation or these shots, or you know, barbaric surgeries, as I call them. Um, so. So yeah, yeah that, that was, kind was kind of my, of my overall mission just put, put everybody together, together in a room that has had the same pain, surgeries, experiences to be able to share and kind of just chat and support each other.
0: I love that. I, there's so many, yeah. um, there's almost like this weird purity level with the um, social media groups where it's like, well, I'm sorry, but you're not sick enough for this group. right? Or there's like right. this one-upmanship that happens in um, a lot of the groups that gets a little uh, Intense. I'll I'll leave it at intense. Like wow, I'm not trying to be sicker than you, I swear. You you win on sick. Congratulations. Like that was the trophy you were going for. Well done. I know. I know, I know.
1: And you know, another thing that's kind of really, really sad about that, that I've realized, like, you know, when I first created this group, like I was I'm a marketing person. So like naturally and I'm very entrepreneurial. So naturally I'm like can this be monetized in some way? Whether it's to, you know, create some kind of brand awareness for this and something that isn't viral, but that's, like, very much like a spoony kind of thing where all of us bone people want to have, like, a little... Like, I had these little bracelets made that were, like... I was thinking of Kabbalah and, like, how the red bracelets were so popular. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make a color that's, you know, unisex and all this stuff. And I branded this group and... I started, and the whole idea was to fund for me to be able to find a um, beneficiary, you know, related to orthopedic research and all this stuff, to be able to throw those funds into. And, um, you know, I this really opened my mind to that not everybody's like me, and not everybody has... to spend on something like that. And some people are on Medicaid or whatever, you know, I've, you know, always had, you know, one of the best PPO's, whatever that my company that I work for offers. And I've had the total luxury of that life and building a career for the last 10, 15 years. And I have a lot of friends, you know, in these groups that are fully on disability.
0: So, you know, they have a fixed
1: income and they just don't have, money to spend like that. And that's when I just completely changed my mindset about trying to do that. And now one of the big things that I started doing was people that, you know, if I was aware that they were having a surgery, especially if it was similar to mine, you know, leg, arm, what all those are going to be different is that I would just pay for, you know, stuff that I knew really helped me. And like I said, I just really changed it to a
0: very pay it
1: forward mentality instead of let's try and get, get money from people or crowdfunder or, or whatever for this cause. I think, you know, since it's so rare and there's, you know, even a thousand to 1500 people, you know, at the end of the day, doesn't sound like a lot, but I think considering how rare this is, that's a lot of people, you know, in one place. And um, I would send these little surgery packages to people or like, you know, another thing that was crazy was I just totally winged it and started writing to companies that sold products like gel packs and you know warm ice or you know that treatment or or athletic tape and I had like 20 companies it, I mean it's the faith that you have or you know sometimes the like pessimism that you have uh, with people not caring I had these companies just send me like boxes of product without asking me anything to see anything and i just had kind of like and that was where the marketing and creative ended up coming through where i had like a good written spiel and like sell on hey i i'm in a group of 1500 people that would benefit highly from your product i have no problem promoting your product i use your product can i get some to give away like as prizes and i i remember this dining room that I had it was full of crap, and I was living at my parents, and they were so pissed, because they were like, so when are you moving this stuff, because we <laughs> have, like, a pack, you know, a stack of ice packs, and, a, you know, um, you know, whatever, bio cream, and all that stuff all over the place, and I still have tons of that stuff, and I tried to do, like, monthly kind of contests. With little trivia things for people to win, and I another thing I noticed that a lot of people in the group were also overseas. So I was like, "Oof, the shipping's gonna be expensive." But I mean, that's all kind of stuff that I was like, "You know what? I don't care." Like these people definitely need this stuff more than you know, or that can afford it less than I can. So I'll do what I can to help people that you know are really looking for any kind of guidance or help, or you know, that don't have you know as big as a network or maybe a physician that talks to them enough about what you know their needs are going to be and. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's been an interesting life learning experience of, you know, the transformation of the original thinking, you know, in this entrepreneurial fashion to what it really should be, which is, you know, this kind of genuine, really wanting to help people out there that were, that are now in my shoes 15 years ago, when I had not one person to relate to, or connect to about what I was going through. so.
0: So, yeah. So, I'm going to back up for just a second. What yeah. is the ultimate, like, it sounds like the surgery packages could work for anyone who's going into surgery pretty right. much. What's your, like, ultimate gift basket for, like, so people listen to this are also caregivers. So, like, what's the ultimate thing? Like, if your friend's going for surgery, what would be a good gift basket to, to go buy? Okay.
1: Yeah. So, so, I mean, for me, it, it would be, be most applicable for somebody, for somebody that's going to be immobile because, because, you know, my surgery so was a leg. leg. So, I'm, I'm going to be coming up on two to three months at least not not even weight bearing weight on my leg so there's a couple of tools that are my go-tos um a grabber
0: i love that you have no idea people that don't even
1: have like this disability will be like can i borrow your grabber for a second i'm like yeah because it's awesome it's amazing and you're laying in bed and you drop something and you just
0: want to grab something um, I can't and, tell you how many times I've fallen out of bed when I've like uh, been super dislocated, and like I've actually gotten so much worse falling out of bed because I'm like I can totally reach that one little right? thing that's on the floor.
1: And you're doing like, like acrobatics?
0: Oh out. yeah, I'm no, like, it's Wait it's a second, Cirque it's du soleil. Soleil. Yeah, it's like I I need like grab bars for like yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And people kind of give that that kind of thing a stigma that it's like for somebody that's 95 years old. Hell no! Like you know, I that was one of the first things I got. It even has like a magnet on the end
0: so I can. Stick it on my bedpost. <laughs> I, I mean, to, hey, so age, early 40s, body, mid 90s. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, I'm just all of that stuff that's like uh, made for, like. <laughs> right, right, right.
1: There's another thing that's called a leg lifter that it's basically kind of like this stick that has a little loop on the end. And for me, that is so important because when you have caretakers, like you're saying, and you're kind of motioning to get off your bed, and you have this leg that is, was just cut into five, six, seven days ago, even two, three weeks ago, that is so painful once, you know, gravity hits it, and all the blood kind of goes there, and everything's hurting so bad, Um, I think that sometimes, and I feel so bad, because it's so easy for us in pain to get angry at somebody that's just trying their best, right, they'll, they'll lower your leg, like, at warp speed, and I'm like, "Ah!" you know, that's happened to me so many times, like, if my dad has been a big big primary caretaker for me, and I remember he, like, pushed my foot into my shoe so hard, and I think every cuss word came out of my mouth, and I felt so bad, because, you know, he just doesn't know, like, he doesn't know that that little, like, movement of just, you know, when you're trying to, like, shove a little kid's foot, you know, into the shoe, into the tennis shoe, um, so this leg lifter, you essentially, on your own, can, like, loop your foot into it and drop your leg down at your own leisurely pace, which is amazing. So, one, you're not having to depend on somebody else and making them feel bad, right? And sometimes they'll give you that in the hospital even or ask for it. Granted, it'll be, like, $95 instead of 11 you know, you in know. the hospital. Bill. Quick reminder but, to our uh,
0: international audience we are both here in the United States. We are dealing with the United States um, medical bills. And when we say right. that they will charge you $100 for an aspirin, we are not kidding. That actually wow. will show up on your bill. You took an aspirin as $100. They used a um, Q tip that was $25. Like, seriously, if you itemize, it, it's mm-hmm. unreal when you itemize our bills. Um, so when we're saying these things, we're not exaggerating. We're here in the United States, we're dealing with the U.S. medical system. She's very. And lucky. there's so much waste. And I mean, I work have, in
1: healthcare technology. Yeah, so you have a really it's, good PPO. so much waste. Yeah, yeah it's so, so much waste, waste in healthcare, wasted waste dollars, wasted everything. Waste everything. And to, to give you a perfect, perfect example, when, when I had this the big replacement, replacement surgery five, five years ago, ago, which is when I kind of started my group after the, you know, social had been invented and I was able to kind of find people to talk to and form this group together, I got my EOB, you know, my statement. You know, for my insurance of that surgery, and the charge was one hundred and twenty-seven thousand dollars.
0: That's a part, what, right. <laughs> you know,
1: it'll blow your ear back, right? Yeah. And um, what was actually paid was something in the area of twenty-seven thousand dollars, and it was just fine and done. And I was like, you know, it's just crazy to see,
0: you know, what was
1: allowed to be paid for, and it was just zeroed out and they were charging this $127,000.
0: Oh, yeah. And by the way, just a quick like heads up for people who are going into surgery. Actually, if you're here in the United States, please, this is my one big tip for everyone because it will absolutely kill you when if you don't do this, like not dead, but dead financially. Um, Check to make sure that your nurses Your anesthesiologist, not just your surgeon, but all of them are on your medical plan. Because if your anesthesiologist is not, you will have to pay the full anesthesiology cost, which can cost into the six figures. My little tip for everyone, please (laughs) don't get caught out like that, because you won't think to ask, did your head surgery nurse also be on your your plan? Did your anesthesiologist, because they won't tell you that. So you have to actually ask, and then you have to shop the different hospitals, because Mm -hmm. different hospitals will charge different.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: vastly different amounts so i'm sorry This is my little moment i'm not even on a soapbox i'm just trying to save y'all money if you're here in the united states so no, there no, we okay. go it's totally <laughs> relevant yeah, yeah. So, so um so, uh,
1: so, yeah so yeah the, the cost, cost of all that. that and you know unfortunately people even with a bone tumor wouldn't even have the luxury of doing that because there's literally between 100 120 and 200 people that are specialized enough to treat beef. Yeah. so that's very, very tough. And here's the other kind of difficult thing that I've come across when and this is kind of like a day in the life of being the founder of this group. I'll get messages from I've gotten a lot of people from the Philippines specifically, which is interesting. Um, or overseas in the UK, Scotland, England. Um and A perfect story example is this one gal wrote to me she was actually she's living here as an american now um she married an american man she's from south africa and um she had found discovered a bone tumor that she knew she had for a long time as a child she kind of had there's you know different versions but one of the most common benign bone tumors it's like 30 to 40 percent of bone tumors it's called an osteochondroma and it's basically like to say it in a layman way, extra bone that has formed and it protrudes typically, so it's not kind of like a you know your bones cells splitting and creating this kind of like necrotic tumor flesh within your bone. So it's an easier tumor to treat. There's even um, a rare you know orphan disease called HME or Hereditary Multiple Exostosis or MHE, which is a chi- chi- childhood or adolescent condition where you get like a bunch of these around your body. So they, they call themselves bumpy, right? And And so so they just have all these little kind of bone bumps of extra bone that is formed and they don't necessarily have to have surgery unless there's one that's painful, which is good, right? You don't want to have to undergo all these operations. And let's say if it was on your elbow and it hurt you so bad to be resting your elbow on it, maybe they would have, you know, surgery on that. But, um, but yeah, this, this gal that was, you know, in her mid to mid twenties or so knew she had to do something about it. And she reached, she found a group, you know, from doing a search, she reached out. And so I had asked her, you know, as much information as she had, and she had seen like a PCP and even general orthopedists aren't necessarily familiar with bone tumors because it's that specialized. And I have a general orthopedist to treat other orthopedic issues that I have as a result of what has happened to my right leg. So I have tons of arthritis on the other side from overuse for 10 to 15 years. Um, so I get, you know, kind of cortisone and all these different kinds of shots and stuff that have been very effective to help treat those easier issues um but this this pcp had fully taken it upon himself to diagnose her with something i had never in my life heard of and being studying all this stuff is you know like i said an armchair want to be you know advocate for bone tumor patients um something i had never heard of was suggesting to just get it taken out or have surgery but i don't even know who and kind of told her to go to all these different doctors for her somebody that wasn't working at the time um you know that that copay and that copay and that copay would have been a total waste of money for her and so i was able to find her the specialist in her area thankfully she was in a more urban area in florida and a lot of these specialists are in urban area teaching hospitals. And so I found her, that surgeon, she even showed me some of her x-ray imaging, which I asked if she had, if I could see. You know, and of course, with this disclaimer, I'm not a physician. Like, I just i am checking out your images to kind of see if I can maybe freak you out less. And I had taken a wild guess from all the different imaging that I've seen on what it was. And we made this kind of joke, and I was like, you owe me, you know, lunch or dinner or something if I'm ever around in Florida, if I get this right, you know, and so she went, she made an appointment with a specialist, immediately he was able to diagnose it with what I would guessed, she had the best, most smooth surgery ever, and, you know, this other PCP had just, like I said, taken it upon himself to diagnose something he had no idea about, no training, and no education, and granted that was kind of what I was doing with her too, but, I mean, it's just, it's crazy to think of this path that somebody that you're trusting, right? That's highly educated. We we put so much trust in these doctors <laughs> to tell us the truth, you know, the hashtag truth. And it's not always truth, you know. We're all human. Even technology, like the experience, doesn't work all the time. And um, and so she had. She ended up having a really great experience. Now, is that what happens to everybody with bone tumor? or no? Um, Like I said, I've had four different surgeons. I've been misdiagnosed twice, and very big misdiagnoses. As in, hey, this is something that's never going to come back. To something that came back already two, three times. um, And you'll you'll do great, and you'll be running and walking in six months. And I've never, I haven't run fifteen years, so um, even jog or even close to jog or anything like that. So, um, so yeah, so it's it's interesting, and it doesn't even matter how prestigious the hospital. Like that's the last thing, I think, that really matters because, yeah, you're going to search for the, you know, top 10 or whatever that we know our advertised is that. But my worst experience was at a place that shall remain nameless, but that is very prestigious and well-known. And where I go now, nobody would even have heard of it. And it's the best, most amazing, compassionate, best bedside manner, most in- innovative surgeon I've ever had. So So it's just, it's really really about about finding what's right for you. And it's just such a shame because there are people of limited, limited means with these conditions, with every condition, right? And And they have, you know, you're essentially forced to travel, you know, at times one, two, three, four hours or a plane ride away for your treatment for somebody that specialized in this. So it's, it's really, really tough sometimes. So especially like in the Philippines, right? Like I was saying, some people contact me from the Philippines and they live in remote Towns and villages, and the only thing available for them is in Manila you know and i it's it's really, really tough so um so yeah it's it's really tough to kind of see those stories play out if they can't you know get treated in in the time that they should because these are serious, you know you could really you could, essentially what happens is you could get what's called a pathological fracture. So you break through your tumor, and it can be very destructive if it's close to a joint joint or, you know, and it's it's not not like a little crack, it's like like a pencil pencil break. So, yeah,
0: yeah. so it's... Uh, If if you want to see my facial expressions, uh, please go to YouTube, we have a channel and post these. The reason I'm cringing is because I have LR stainless, I dislocate, like, I have mass dislocations like five times a day. I am no stranger to massive levels of pain. I will take all my dislocations any fucking day over bone surgery. I had that once. I refused to have the other limb done. The other limb needs it done. I will not do it. Um, I would rather have the dislocations every day on that tibia than ever have my bones drilled again. I have the utmost empathy and sympathy here. If you think you understand this pain because you've had laparoscopic surgery, I've had that too. Okay. it's not even close. It's not like there's, that's like saying that I have headaches. So I get migraines. Like bone surgery is a different world and I never want to go into it again. I'm happy being a very short tourist there. I never want to go again. So like everything you're talking about, like bone opening and like, right. I just, I can't necessarily handle right. this. Like right. and that you know, pain. I oh never my God.
1: Broke bone, My whole life. So zero to 37 years old. I've never broken a bone. And I was an athlete my whole life, which is something that also would have never worked out for me, you know, based on my destiny. Um, and with this bone tumor, and I was actually, I found it from being active. And that's probably the last time that I was truly active. Um, and
0: so... So tell us about, like, how did you bone find pain, it? Like, what was, like, you you're pretty young when you found it. It's not like something that's usually, like, you know, when right. you have a, a uh, presenting female body, you usually, like, know to do breast cancer screens. Like, by the time right. you're 20, you've heard all of the ways to, if you're a person with breasts, you've learned how to, like, check out that right. the lymph nodes. Like, there's all sorts of, like, basic maintenance that, like, a lot of us know to check for in our bodies. And I'm sure male-presenting bodies, which I don't understand yet, even at my 40s, I'm sure there's things you guys have all learned about, like, how to, like, handle a body that is... That um, how did right. you know to even check anything? Like, right? Pretty, well, pretty yeah, young it's to check. so
1: rare, it's never talked about. So, like, I what I would encourage and give advice to anybody that listens that is young in their first first second or third decade of life, which is the most common age age range to get this. I was twenty one years old. I had probably had it at least since my teens because I, when I first found the tumor that I had, which was right at my knee. I was getting to a point where I couldn't like do a little jog, and I had like this rock bottom moment. I was in college I went to design school in Chicago, and we had these little key cards to get in and out of classes and I'd forgotten mine, and somebody was holding open the door and I said, "Oh wait, wait, can you keep that open?" and I tried to do this little jog, and my knee just like completely gave out, and I was in denial of like, I'll go get this checked, whatever, like, I've always been an athlete, I have little pains here and there, and all that kind of stuff, and I'll never forget, it was the holidays, it was, like, right before Christmas, and I was a college student, I mean, I was young, I didn't have any kind of, like, other obligations or bills or anything to worry about so that's another thing too like thinking about surgeries today from back then when i had like not a care in the world and and, you know caretakers caretakers and your parents and if if you're you're lucky enough to have family that that will help you out or family that's that's around around, you know i'm so fortunate to have had that stuff Um, um but yeah, and I, you know, I, I had this rock bottom moment where I went and I had all these x-rays and all this stuff done and everything was very fast. It was very much like, you need to see this doctor tomorrow. We made you an appointment. We hand delivered your MRIs and we didn't you know all this stuff. And I'm 21, you know, and clueless about what the heck is going on. And I'm like, what doctor did you make me an appointment with? They're like, oh, an orthopedic oncologist.
0: I didn't even know what oncology was.
1: You know? It might actually
0: have helped with the stress level if you didn't know what that was. <laughs>
1: Well, until I looked it up, right? And I was like, what on earth is happening? So, of course, you know, I was living 700 miles away from my family, and they said, well, tell your surgeon to recommend somebody over here, you know, in the East Coast, so that you can come home and have the surgery, and, you know, you'll be home and we'll take care of you. And so that ended up not being a successful path, unfortunately. But, again, it happens to the best of us and to the best of physicians. and, And so, yeah, it's just being that young, like I said, and not having one person to talk about, and you're talking about this bone stuff. And I think another really good kind of topic is this pain management thing, because now with how progressive everything has gotten with medical marijuana, and all of this kind of stuff, you know, there's so many people that have talked to me about you know, have you explored your options with medical marijuana and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, I think that how medical marijuana would help me would be maybe to just like, chill me out if I'm very tense from pain. But there is nothing, not even the heaviest diluted morphine, whatever. And you're laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's nothing that will take away a millimeter of anything that somebody did to your bone. It is horrendous.
0: You're, you're killing like, me absolutely. because, like, I just think that the only thing that the marijuana is going to stop from bone pain is just, like, the levels of anxiety you feel when someone right. goes, have you tried? And, like, I'll take a hit just to deal with what you're going to say next. Like, that's right. the only, like, <laughs> applicable use for bone. Like, seriously, if you have not had bone right. surgery, you, you, there's no way to understand. I could never understand if I hadn't had it. And I had it with um, a two-year-old. I had a, a mm. toddler son when I had my bone surgery. I can't eat It was, um, it was unique. It- yeah, I, have,
1: I have cats and I can't even, like,
0: do their food, you know, or whatever it is. So I have like, cats oh, who have, like, this weird idea that they're going to help by jumping on whatever hurts. Like, oh, they will, yeah, like, go from really happen. high up, jump, curl around it, and start purring. It is the most mm-hmm. sadistic thing that I know. I don't write me emails. <laughs> I know they're trying to help. I get it. I don't hate them for it, but it is just when he's like, what the Fuck, cat! Like, why are you doing this to me? I feed you! I oh, know, I know. I feed you and I give you shelter. This
1: is why we can't have nice things.
0: Right? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Toddlers and cats. That's why we can't have nice things. <laughs> All right! Right! Alright, so what does work for pain management for this? Like, do you, have you found anything? Like, is. I, I mean, I remember back and, like. Not yeah. yet.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, my goal with my seventh operation is to, because essentially what has happened since I had this replacement is that I've never fully recovered. I had to have a revision within one and a half years to give you an example of something that could happen. A woman's body, right, has a little more different curvature and shape than a male or like a robot skeleton that you see in the lab. i
0: have you not seen and what the fashion magazines are telling us for all supposed <laughs> to look? like the same like anyone presenting male female we're all supposed to look like rulers that is apparently with washboard abs that's that that's what we're supposed to be doing here (laughs)
1: Exactly. and so i noticed within a year of having tons of physical therapy which is you know i'm a huge advocate for and i i do notice a lot of folks that have these surgeries don't invest their time and effort in physical therapy and they will often be get really stuck and i'm like you this is the hardest part the surgery isn't the hard part actually it's the after right especially when it's something related to a joint i can't tell you and of course nobody that gets a bone tumor is lucky but if it's like mid bone or something i'm jealous because i'm like oh they don't have a joint to fully recover and get all range of motion and extension and flexion and everything back so you know it's for any kind of thing related to a joint like knee recovery is no pain no gain it's known as, you know, you got to get back to bending, and I've had a situation where a doctor was like, you need to do physical therapy five times a week, Aggress. she wrote aggressive on the script, because otherwise they were going to take me back into surgery to force bend my leg which is the, the manipulation surgery. surgery and i'm like you know 21, 21 years old crying in that seat. appointment saying i don't want to have surgery and i just i went five days a week and it was horrendous and you the last 20 minutes of every appointment was just for spending that knee. um and that's you know again not the surgery like for me surgery is like vacation like that's like the worst way to think about it it's like you're put to sleep you're in la la land and whatever you're fully taken care of around the clock by these nurses when you get home and your recovery and pt and all that other so stuff that's, that's the hardest part because you're back to your life and you know especially being not 21 anymore and 37 and like i have to pay my mortgage and like i have you know am i going to go on short-term disability i'm going to get have to pay or whatever it is and so it just really sucks but yeah this you know Right now, for the last couple of years, it's been around the clock uh, pain med- pain management with opiates. They work the best. I've been suggested and tried some other different types of medication, which to me, like, I feel like a lot of doctors will often try to prescribe other types of medication to put in the mix to make you kind of come off opiates a little bit like a gabapentin for instance and i'll never forget falling asleep almost driving from taking gabapentin and not feeling anything different with my pain and i was like nothing's different not worth it right not worth adding another thing to my portfolio of drugs so um and it just you know all these different the opioid crisis has been in existence forever It's not a new thing. I mean, it's been around forever. And then what happens is, unfortunately, if it's too expensive, where people can't get, you know, opioids or whatever, pills, essentially, um, especially in the VA. And with veterans, that, like, runs rampant. It's so sad. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you get your hands on other stuff. And that's kind of how all these issues are born. But I especially am very crazy about all this stuff because I have major addiction in my family so that to me has been very scary the last couple of years and I've been I have literally on my phone like detailed notes about every little minute that I took a pill so that I know exactly when I last took something that it's been four five, six hours since the last thing not overdosing not any or overdosing per what my instructions are and you know and it's another sad thing is that I've I've seen other patients get like way over prescribed than they need to be because like my prescriptions are not crazy They're and, and, and they're managing as much as I can. Um, what really stinks and why I'm having the surgery is that I have a stress fracture right now in the the remaining femur from the interaction with this hardware. So I'm getting it kind of like, Pimped out. out. So I'm getting this kind of custom.
0: Are you going to pimp my leg? Because this is a new show. we should make an episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, It had had to to go go through this kind of like compassionate device FDA procedure that's taken a couple of months because because we're essentially essentially combining combining components from two different manufacturers. manufacturers. So So that that means all this kind of approval. Who knows if it's like real approval (laughs) or
0: like (laughs) what's (laughs) in that approval? The FDA has been an interesting ally and standout problem for so many yeah, yeah. It's crazy so how but, do you I mean, decide dead that... on
1: right about that bone pain it is not indescribable it is paralyzing like i make that comment about i have this with this stress fracture if i move side to side that's a very hard movement like even in bed which is passive it's like you know you're not walking around and like my boyfriend will be like are you okay because it'll be like a you know and you will like it's the worst like like pain pain. for that one second and you have to like catch your breath and like I don't don't think any amount of weed (laughs) will take that away which I I wish it did you know like I really really wish wish it it did I I just don't I don't don't even want want to go down down that path, path and I don't um discourage anybody from doing that if that's what they want to do and and if it helps. And I've heard lots of stories where it, you know, other different conditions, conditions and diseases that people just have like turned to medical, medical marijuana and it has saved their life. Uh, um I just, you know, and like you said, even like the laparoscopic surgeries, you know, when I've talked to people about, you know, like I had, you know, seven inches of my femur removed, again, not in this one uppy fashion. And I'll never forget this surgeon that I had that I wasn't a fan of. Came to visit me like for the two minutes of the five days that I was in the hospital, and after this replacement surgery, and he was like, "Yeah, I remember when I had my ACL,
0: you know, done." And I was like, "Really? What about
1: your story matters to me right now that you just took out with a saw seven inches of my femur and my entire knee joint and every ligament, (laughs) and and literally, I'm missing." half of this, the longest bone in my body, the strongest bone in our body, and you're literally telling me about a procedure that you had, trying to relate to me. Like, if anybody else says that, I don't care, because nobody's going to know about these surgeries. But for my physician, who did these surgeries, to try and compare, I was, I was so pissed. <laughs> I was so pissed. Oh, my goodness. It's just such a different, it's so different. I mean, it really is. So, yeah, bone. There's not, I mean, even even the mani- pain management that I'm on now, which is heavy medication, I mean, they're narcotic prescriptions doesn't 100% manage it at all, at all at all. It makes me be able to walk around. So I'm still in pain when I'm walking around. I'm still in pain when I'm sitting. I'm still in pain when I'm laying down. So there's no, there's no 100% relief, which is, and I don't think I ever will have that unless I even if if I got amputated, which, which is, is a end-all be-all, end-all, be-all option, you know, down the line, line, but even amputees have so much pain, you, you know, know like, like, I've heard good stories about that, that. Like, like, I was so happy to just let this limb go, go or whatever it is, is, and it was, you know, I had so, so much pain, pain that it was worth it. it, and I've heard other, you know, horror stories about post-amputee life and pain and pain with prosthetics and all that kind of thing, so, so it's, it's all over you know people have their preferences with how they want to manage their pain and some people are successful and some people aren't this has been successful for me no matter how much of a stigma you know opiates have gotten i can't stress how important pain management. i mean it's so important and so many physicians don't talk to you about it
0: it's crazy or they have their own biases about it and like the there usually does need to be a a bunch of things that you use like opioids and physical therapy and marijuana can help like Right. Or if you, especially if you're chronic illness where it's a whole bunch of separate conditions, like some things handle mm-hmm. my fibro stuff, marijuana handles my fibro stuff just fine. I hate to say that fibro sucks and if you, you are dealing with fibro, I hear you, but the muscle pain seems to be dealt with a lot better with marijuana for me. Then pain from dislocating has to have like massive level of right. opioids. You
1: need to call for
0: reinforcements. Yeah, exactly. And, and that makes sense because therapy. if you think
1: about it, the tension in your muscles, right? Like we were just talking about, like what smoking a joint or whatever it is, or edibles or whatever it may be, it's like taking that ease down. And like for me, the relaxation—if I'm having that muscle soreness, which I can have—is you know can be alleviated by taking a clonopit because you're essentially like you know you're getting a little bit sedated, so. um so yeah Yeah. I I can imagine but that's that's awesome that 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 helps with your you know fibromuscular pain I love it
0: well I use it also for like um, when I dislocate the the muscles will freeze and then you can't relocate (laughs) because I'm not going to go I dislocate five times a day would you like to guess how much it would cost if I went to the hospital every time I dislocated I don't go to the hospital so I have to like take the muscles to like stop spasming and then just gently relocate which also requires opioids so Like, we right. just sort of mix and match a whole bunch of stuff. And then I have to take opioids to go to my physical therapist because whenever I see her, she has to relocate whenever I couldn't relocate. So we have to bring the pain level down. I enough. feel
1: like people don't know. Yeah. But like, you're given that prescription post-op. Guess what half of it's for? Top mm-hmm. To get Talk better. Your shit. for your PT. <laughs> uh? Because it's going to hurt like shit. Please time mean, your
0: medications appropriately. Yes. Right.
1: Uh, and it's, yeah. not, it's not like, you know
0: don't be a hero, man.
1: Like it's, you know, my dad had, and obviously not a bone surgery, but at the time, 65 years old or 60, whatever, he had this major shoulder reconstruction that was like a 40 year past injury. So I'm sure it just got continually worse. And he was like, I'm not going to take one painkiller. And he was like taking Advil and he was miserable. I I I
0: come from like a family of like but I mean it's not you need to manage your pain. You do. My family is like country people. Mm -hmm. Like so it's this like mythology that is held up for every like aunt and uncle who had a surgery and Mm. took one aspirin, just one. And it was like it was so hard to like live up with that because it was like I, I feel like I'm a wimp. Like, I, hate, I, hate. I I can't do this with one hand. <laughs> like, and now I take my painkillers so that I can do my physical therapy, so I don't lose strength. Like, it, it's there's different ways to take this. Please, we are not doctors. Do you not sue us. Absolutely not. Talk to your doctor. Talk to your physical therapist. Talk to your pain <laughs> clinic. Like, see what works. But I'm just saying. Like, I just switched how I take my painkillers within the last three months to take them before physical therapy and before. I do physical therapy every day and that has increased my ability to do physical therapy which has increased my strength like there's different ways to handle this but what? there's no medal that's going to be given to you because yeah. you didn't take something no. like the
1: only thing that's going to happen is you're going to feel like shit
0: and you're you probably going to be mean yeah <laughs> you're going to be and mean you're going to lo- you're going to get divorced <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. you're going to not get any better because you're not going to be able to do your physical therapy properly. Like, just not right. advocating what you don't need. Just advocating for, like, talk to your doctors about what you do need. Because uh, the only big difference between, like, 10 years ago and now with the opioid crisis is now doctors are going to jail and are freaking out that they can't prescribe it. Right. So it's like it's like you can't take a pendulum and go all the way to, like, oh, my goodness, you stubbed your toe. Here's your oxycodone. To, mm-hmm. you just had most of your femur removed, how's that Advil treating you? Like, there has to, <laughs> like, where you yeah. don't have to go all the way to the wall either side. Like, the United States seems to be really good at just running to separate walls and hitting themselves. Like, absolutely, there's a midgram. And what really stinks is that, you know, at the end of the day, these are my
1: opinions and my own, I fully find physicians 100% accountable for what has happened with this opioid stuff because it is...
0: Like, we can disagree on that, but okay. <laughs>
1: right, right, right. Well, okay, so I a specific story that I'll tell you. There was, and I want to say maybe Ohio, um, and I was exaggerating with a 100, but a lot of accountability. The um, story in Ohio for a big pharmacy retailer, that shall remain nameless, but one that I'm sure everybody knows, where there were more prescriptions for opioids than there were people in the town. So that's kind of, you know, an instance where you're like, what on earth, right? And I don't, and I think what's really unfortunate about that is kind of like you're saying, like, you know, they can't, they don't feel like they can resort to, you just had a root canal, like here's a couple of oxycodone or hydrocodone or whatever it may be. And I feel really shitty when I'm trying to pick up a prescription for something as intense as this. And I have the treatment. Like, like, the drug-seeking assumption of whatever what it is. Even when I, you know, I go to a pain specialist. So I see them, and even so sometimes talking to them, them, you just, you build, build this, this kind of wall where you don't want to, like, sound, sound like it that. Really it sucks really that sucks that I have I to guard what I'm saying. I'm really, like, you know, worried
0: about saying that. It's this isn't covering the pain anymore. Like, I'm always scared to say, I, I'm actually getting worse. Can you up my prescription? Because I'm so scared they're going to be like, Oh, oh! you've now crossed that threshold in drug seeker. Right. I, right. I've been going no to the same doctor for five happened. years and I still get afraid. And we still have issues when we go to the pharmacy. I right. saw a pharmacist like. The pharmacy is the, the hardest. Oh, the amount yeah. of shade they throw. I'm like, you guys have been studying like, how to throw shade because this is like mm-hmm. a new level Absolutely. of judgment. Absolutely.
1: And it's, it's kind of this idea yeah. of we need the, the pharmacy, pharmacy more than they need us. So, I feel like, you know, the care is kind of gone there. Um, but that, yeah, that's where I've kind of had the most issues where I moved and there was a pharmacy that was closer to me and I wanted to transfer my usual monthly pain medication and they didn't even, they wanted nothing to do with it. And I was like, okay, cool. So now I have to drive another like four miles on top of the other four that are whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So it's just, that really stinks <laughs> really badly. But, um, but yeah, the whole, the pain management, like, you know, another example, like, you know, every year that passes by, there's more research that's done. And, you know, I know a lot of people like one big thing that is kind of, I've seen a lot of people in the bone tumor world get are spinal cord stimulators. That's kind of a really big thing. And one of my, my, the pain specialist I was seeing was highly recommending it for me. And it's very, very well known to treat nerve pain and For me, I was like, okay, not only do I not want to add another pill, but I don't want to open a part of my body that I've never had open for something that I don't know is going to be a sure thing, being my back. Like, I mean, it's, and I, I remember like YouTube researching people that had just gotten the spinal cord simulator done. And this woman did like a daily diary of videos and she just looked like she was hating life so bad and talking about how painful her back was from the surgery so now you have like a new pain and like a new area of your body to treat so and I haven't really heard any one of the people that I know that have gotten the spinal cord simulator say like oh my gosh you know that, that I can walk again and I can do all this stuff again I haven't heard any you know Great stories. There, there might be, be some, some amazing stories, stories out there, there that then. I don't know of. Yeah, one of in our my-
0: previous um, interviews. Just she had her son, and um, we keep in touch, and it's life-changing it's amazing that's awesome but, which is yeah, awesome but awesome. it's also like it's so hard to tell like should i do this it's like when you're reading amazon reviews and it's like oh the my best gosh, thing ever oh my god this will ruin your life don't touch it it's like right. ah, how do you make a choice like it's so hard and like, to make why choices. do we go to the bad reviews first right uh, that's always what always i do first things. i'm like let's see what the one star was right instead of seeing what all the
1: the 40 you know 90 percent of good reviews were um but yeah like the spinal cord simulator amazing idea Mm -hmm. and you know at the end of the day for me again like i think in my instance that it was being pushed to try and lower this you know dependence if you will on opioids for pain management um and i know you know these organizations that make these devices and stuff like that will give some physicians a kickback and all that kind of stuff. stuff. That's a whole different topic.
0: <laughs> but um, topic. I
1: know. <laughs> but um but yeah, so that was an option and I decided no on it. And I'm just gonna continue to reconstruct the area of the issue of concern. Um, you know, and go forward with that. But um Like, even I remember when they would prescribe the MSAD drugs, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, it would just, like, destroy my stomach, and I tried, like, four different types of prescriptions that docs really wanted me to try for the inflammation factor, and they now make one that I wouldn't have known unless I asked, and it has, like, a built-in kind of antacid, if you will, and it's like a motronate with a built-in stomach coating something or other, and... It's called duexis, if anybody's interested, but it has worked. It has worked really well. And I know that for me, I'm not going to take an extra opioid if I'm in extra pain. So if I can find something else that works for me, right, if I know that I'm going to be particularly active, like in September, I just took a 10-day trip to Europe. And I knew I was going to be dead at the end of every day with my ambitious itinerary, as my boyfriend said. This is really ambitious. I'm like, we're going to do as much as we can. And I would make these makeshift ice packs from the hospital ice, (laughs) you know, all the way down to my feet of things that would just hurt so bad. And, you know, another really interesting thing is like adrenaline is, it's like, like, an amazing drug. It's insane! And I had this replacement surgery three months before my best friend got married, and I was the maid of honor. And I had, like, a wonderful day at her wedding, and I could, like, not move for three days once it was done. You know, it's just... And I think that's what happened on this European trip, where, like, I came on the... Even on, like, the plane, the second I got into the airport, I was just dead. And, um... You know, the majority of the trip, of course, I would have pain at the end of the night and major swelling and all that kind of thing. But, like, it's really incredible what adrenaline can do. And that's just something that we come with. It's uh,
0: super helpful.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: maybe just go to Europe or go on trips every week and get this, like, rush of adrenaline or do crazy adventures every week and you'll have a big cycle of recovery. It's what ahead. I missed the most
0: about working mm-hmm. was like, I loved my job. I was a photographer and when I was working, it wasn't adrenaline. It was getting in the flow. And when you're in that right. flow state where nothing else exists. And when I was shooting, nothing else existed, no pain, mm-hmm. nothing. I was just in that moment. And then the second the shooting was done, it was like collapse. And then it was like, spike right. it in to get home. And like, it was just brutal, but I miss that because I haven't ever found anything that is that good at getting me out of pain. Mm-hmm. I haven't found that flow state thing yet. Like, I have some things, but now, like, it, I've gotten so much more advanced that, like, even like drawing, I'll pop my wrist out while I'm drawing or interviewing. Oh. I've already gone through two dislocations interviewing you today. Like, there's. Oh, my like goodness. Have you put them back? back? Yep. So, who teaches you how to do that? Oh, my God. Yes. YouTube. Holy what do we do without YouTube? Right. Um,
1: <laughs> I learned how to reprogram my bed remote on YouTube the other night because it just, it just stopped. stopped. And, and that, that was the best purchase I ever made, by, by the way. way. Anybody with access. any kind of disability yes, get um, the, the adjustable, adjustable bed. Adjustable, I got one. Whatever.
0: It is the I best. do everything from there. I dislocate my femur and like I have this zero gravity setting on my bed um, that I'm like, yeah. oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. This is the best. The only thing I want now is like I want to get the heating one, the one that will like Oh, do heat gosh. or cold, and like if we could do that, and like because I'm always like I'm always the opposite temperature, of whatever it is, and my husband goes nuts. So like, if we could like, have like so we could sleep next to each other, but that my makes- bed could be a totally separate bed. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. That that was um an incredibly kind. Is I'm on disability. My mom bought us that. That was okay. An incredible gift. Yeah. <laughs> that was everything. When, when I I, I just was.
1: bought a house a year ago, and oh, that was congratulations.
0: Another- Thank you, thank you. It was a hellacious
1: process that I don't really want to go through again. But, you know, this just proves how much these
0: types of things just kind of sneak into
1: every other thing in your life. Is that I had to depend what I liked in a house based on my disability. So I was looking for first first floor living and a master on the first floor. And, like, my house has been a little bit of a money pit in everything else that I've had to fix. But, but all, all that, that I gave a shit, shit about was that, that my master bathroom. was on the first yep. floor and that I could do everything on that floor. And yeah. the irony is that I just had um, my, my shower, shower redone done. to be full ADA with, with like the, the bars and the bench and everything. So I'm going like to be like having the surgery, surgery soon. And, and the door to the bathroom, bathroom was like 18 inches wide. is so like, like an uh-huh. old cake uh-huh. Yeah. And I was <laughs> able to get it or 20 inches wide and i was able to to get it to 24 24, and i was like okay okay, as long as i can can fit here through crutches crutches, and like not not to mention the weight that you gain from being sedentary sedentary for five to ten years years or longer
0: can we just have a quick word to all doctors could you please not tell us we need to lose weight we're we're all aware that with our meds that have like slowed down our metabolisms Mm -hmm. Where we um do not do well moving um we're we're all clear that we are not the same size we were before this started we're we're all good we didn't miss this like this right. didn't just like escape our notice
1: right we weren't shocked right.
0: like calm exactly. that down like unless you yeah. can tell me something yeah I actually sent me to a dietitian because I was like I can literally show you everything I eat in a day it's between like on a big day sixteen hundred calories on most days I'm around. 1300 and, and I'm still know. way over and my dietitian I like they're like you should see a dietitian and she's like no she's like I can't recommend you go down to what you would need to go down to lose weight it would be starvation like
1: right right so I remember yeah. like one person like with your sedentary lifestyle right now of not being able to do like I just, yeah can I do things from like bed sure but like everybody that's posting about like their soldier fits and all that, that stuff stomach, that are, like, jumping and high impact and, impact and all that stuff, I can't do the most things. I can maybe do is like, bodies, right? And even <laughs> that, that would be kind of hard. Like, like if people, people are like, yoga would be great for you. I'm like, yoga would be great until, until I get, get down, down on the ground and I can't get up. up. Like, I, I need life <laughs> alert
0: i love talking to someone of my generation this is very exciting and all the references i'm getting <laughs> yay um i've learned that because um my body will change what it can and can't do based on every 20 seconds so i have no idea and either i just stop or which makes me worse because muscle I and mean, you know how this goes muscle is everything and if you right. lose that you don't have anything So I started to be really kind to myself and I got this app called Nike training app and it's free, which I love. And, um, it has all of the exercises my PT recommends on it. And it just automatically dings. Like it's like 30 seconds and then I'll go ding. And then it won't talk to me again until it's ready for me to do the next thing. And whatever I can't do or whatever I stop and I'm not able to do, I just can press the next exercise. So like, I can just keep scrolling through until I get the exercise I can do. And it's like, Oh, I can I can do that today. Oh, it's only my ribs that are dislocating. Great, we'll work on the legs. Done. Right. Oh, right. my tibia is dislocated. We're gonna be able to do the arms today. Or everything's right. dislocated. I guess we could do breathing exercises. That one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like so, <laughs> it's a, it's just a matter of like changing what you think success is. Like, what Mm -hmm. is a successful workout? Well, I'm obviously not going to be able to go to the gym and, like, get, like, you know, do all the training stuff. Everyone's super psyched about, like, the HIT workout. I'm like, oh, that's cute. You enjoy that. That's great for you. Um, Like, 90% of what people are doing where they're, like, shredding it at the gym or, like, shredding uh, it. Yeah.
1: Or, like, the newest diet where they're, like,
0: oh, I've given up sugar. I tried that. I gained 16 pounds in two days because Mm -hmm. mass cell is fun. Like, it's, everyone's, like, super, like, they know what's going to happen, what works for them. It's, like, if you don't have a healthy body, it's going to be a different situation. And, by the way, your diet will react to your pills. Right. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's another another thing I've noticed, that that before being, for, for like, like a couple couple of years on opiates, like, I could lose a few pounds if I was really trying hard. And the opiates are really... I think the, the culprit of what has given me such, such a hard time with the weight. weight. And it's, it's just, your body's like stagnant, like right? Like I mean, like nothing, nothing inside, inside is like going as it yeah. should be. And, and yeah, intestines I and mean,
0: stomach as well. Like there's a reason mm-hmm. they have another prescription for you if you're on opioids so that you can actually eliminate your food. Right, right. So, so yeah, yeah,
1: the, the commercials, do you have... Yeah, opioid-induced <laughs> constipation
0: Oh, here's another pill and I'm like holy crap thanks really need yeah. that one
1: <laughs> right right like I have like a little pill thing every day and I have like you know I'm hypothyroid with Hashimoto so like I'll have my Synthroid every morning and you know like a clonidine or whatever it is and
0: we didn't even get other, to all like, the yeah. other things you have jeez yeah, yeah, We're, like at an true. hour I'm like huh we have a lot to still talk about <laughs> Mm-hmm. I know. Well, thankfully, those for me, I, I feel like yet
1: have caused me anything super concerning. I mean, I, I just like a couple of years ago had a, a needle aspirating biopsy on my thyroid just because I just it's large and it's been very large. I was diagnosed at like 26 with that. But even at that time, I was in the best shape of my life. I had had, I think, one surgery already, and those first couple of surgeries were half this major surgery, I'm 20-something years old, I'm in the best shape of my life, you know, two, three, four, five months of intensive physical therapy didn't hurt that I
0: worked for a physical therapy company, and I got, like, the best treatment and free that I could have, like, how
1: could I, you know, how, how did that work out? Um. And so I would fully recover, fully get off medication. And that just has not been the case the last five years. It's really just been terrible. And I was telling you, within one and a half years, I had a um, revision done after I had this uh, implant, because the only thing that I kept anatomy wise of my knee was the kneecap, because that's typically not something you replace. Like there is a kneecap replacement, but it's not like something that's super successful. Um, And like the tendons, you know, that hold my kneecap there. And my kneecap. Now surgeon had to rotate this new knee, this fake knee that I have forty degrees to align correctly with my kneecap. That was because that was the pain I was having. I was walking every day. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, you know, he could feel it upon just touching it. And this is another kind of advocating to find who's really meant to, to be your, your surgeon and who's going to give you the, the best care. The previous surgeon, surgeon that I had that did this surgery on me, I continued to tell him during follow-up appointments, like, like I am I'm having so, so much pain, pain getting around. And, and I've heard that there, this surgery is very successful. successful. Like this just doesn't feel normal. I know what my freaking body. And, um, and he just, he didn't even x-ray. He didn't do anything. And he was, he was just like, like well, whatever, it's, it's just how it's, it's going to be. be. Come to find out when I go to see my now surgeon he literally just palpates the knee and knows that there's an issue does an x-ray find the issue and schedule the surgery and get it fixed so it's just it's it's really tough and i and i i think that different people like i've heard various people that have had great experiences with the surgeon that i haven't had a great experience it's just you you know like you're going to be unique obviously to the physician that's going to work the best for you and um and i just You know, as much as you're able to, right, if there's something that disappoints you that you don't like to hear, get a second opinion. This is such a rare condition to get and just be, you know, have this as an ailment in your life. And if you can find any other kind of resource or, you know, resource online and search for bones for other people now with everything that we have with social media, it's exactly what I was doing five years ago. Like, hey, you had this surgery that I'm about to have. Can you tell me about it? You know, like, tell me what I'm in
0: kind of thing so, so um yeah. I anyway mean, such a great point time. and like if you are privileged enough to have a really good health insurance or you live in an area where there's multiple doctors mm-hmm. if you are privileged enough for that exactly if you're feeling disrespected by your doctor keep remembering like that they're actually like they're a service like you're supposed to be treated with respect like you should never feel disrespected or humiliated by your doctor that's an abusive relationship with your doctor like I had to learn that the hard way I get like um a doctor PTSD when someone has a white coat I like all of my personality shuts down and I'm just I get so scared like I have the hardest time like advocating and yeah, I it's, it's real like, you get super nervous, but like, you should always be true with care and respect and concern. And like, when you're talking about like the doctors and like the mobility issue, there's also a thing with a lot of the chronic illness community on when do you start using mobility aids? And right. I've had like, PTs go, no, you can't use a wheelchair, because you will lose muscle strength. And then right. you will not be able to walk. And then when I started using a wheelchair, um, when I needed to, it actually ended up increasing my strength, because I had more Ability to do the real exercises that built muscle, <laughs> like, right? Not to say that right. works for everyone. I'm just saying, like these are things to think about when a doctor's like, "No, you can't do it." Makes you feel comfortable and safe. Like, mm-hmm. see about like if that's really definitely what needs to happen. And with the the social media groups, those are priceless to be able Absolutely. to see what other people's experiences are. So, thank you so much for creating your social media group. That's- thank
1: you. I mean, I'm grateful. It's it's, it's, it's honestly awesome to have people from all over the world contact and say, "Hey."
0: And even it'll it'll even be
1: caretakers though. a lot of parents because it's a lot of young people with this, you know, with bone tumors yeah, and so people that are just really struggling and typically they'll kind of either one ask me what treatment will be like or what recovery will be like, or two, they're coming to me because they left unhappy with the physician. You know, and that's it's so heartbreaking, especially with something as serious and like, you know, horrendously painful as this. It just it angers me and it saddens me that there's, you know, individuals that like to go in and I understand like, you know, some visit, especially surgeons, like they, you know, they love to cut, right? Like they love to go perform surgery and they like hate their clinicals, right? You know, their the follow-up appointments and all that stuff. And, you know, I hate it too. I'm sitting there for one, two, three hours or whatever waiting. <laughs> I have to take half, take, half a day, um, if not a full day, off from work or whatever. It is and waste of PTO on something that, that I wish would not be um, that long. Um, and, and especially it's when, it's when I'm waiting for an, an hour and my appointment's three minutes, you know, it's like that. That, that really sucks. sucks. Um, but you know, there are some doctors, and this is how I knew my my surgeon. Now is just very passionate about what he does. Not only he participates in tons of research and studies and journals and authors a ton of stuff, but he. I actually saw him walking around pre op floor, and I've never seen that in any of my what's soon to be seven surgeries ever. I've usually seen what's kind of like the elusive, like you say, that white coat coming in to visit you with like whatever, you know, fancy stuff that, you know, I remember I'll never forget one surgery. Um, a surgeon was wearing wearing pearls like under her white coat. And that was like like, the only (laughs) thing I remembered. And And she she came came in for two seconds seconds to to say hi hi to my parents. You know, I'm all IV'd and everything in pre-op, which is like the most nerve-wracking moment that you have. And they see you for two seconds. You barely see them after surgery. It's like because these are teaching hospitals. So it's like mostly residents, you're under the care of residents, and you're kind of like this lab rat. And this surgeon, you know, he has Tuesday, Thursday surgery, and the rest of the days are her first follow-ups and clinicals. And I had surgery on Tuesday and I hear somebody come into my room on Wednesday at like six in the morning and it was him on his clinical day
0: to, to see how I was doing. I oh, have wow.
1: never, ever had that in my life. And he stuck around with me for as long as possible. We shot the shit, it was great. He's just and even when the anesthesiologists and the nurses and everybody on the pre-op floor were telling me how much they love this doctor and surgeon, just validated me being with him. And he's and, and Another thing that really sucks, there are surgeons in the bone tumor world in orthopedic oncology that are known as fixers, that they'll essentially fix or revise a surgery from another surgeon that may be not following up with you as much as they should be.
0: Yeah, if you ever want to know, and you can ask the nurses... Who they mm. would have as their surgeon? Because they, if they're willing to answer honestly, that you will get the best answer. Right, on they're coworkers. The like, like we, we don't think they know. We think
1: of doctors and physicians as this like elusive thing, right? They're, they're humans like, like us. They're, they're coworkers, coworkers, and these people just, just could not. They were like raving about him, about him and, and just, just like he was talking to everybody. everybody. You know, know every, every single person involved in the, the process, process of my operation, operation and and my everything, and it just I've never had that in the 15 years of you know now four to three other you know surgeons have i had had other surgeons that that i've really liked totally one in particular that i really liked and and geographically geographically is the reason why i'm not seeing him was his bedside manner like the one that i have now now? he was a little he was a little more nerdy and like you know to the point whatever but i I liked liked his honesty honesty. you know i thought he had great treatment for me um You know, but as far as like the whole package, and I realize you might never find the whole package, but the whole package is, I I mean, I won the lottery with the, you know, the the surgeon surgeon that that I have now. And, and sadly, I've talked to, you know, I've recommended recommended another friend from my group that's local to me to see him him after, you know, a surgeon that we both had was kind of like semi-abandoning us with post-operative pain years later. So, so um, so yeah, so you you know your body the most, right? And if somebody wants to tell you without x ray without scientific proof that nothing is wrong, right? Just there's no shame in finding something else. And, and another thing, you know, I know so many people are just really reluctant to change and they get a lot of anxiety with change, you know, and, and getting off a path and starting over, but, this is your livelihood and like you're getting around and mobility and everything. These are really important things to not bargain for, you know, like I'll drive that extra hour or whatever it is, you know, and again, like the perfect thing that you said earlier, like you have the privilege, like I'm probably a terrible example because I've been able to afford these insurances and I've been able to afford this stuff. Um, and that, like, like I said, that was a rude awakening when I first started this group because I thought that, that I was going to be able, able to raise money for the cause, and, and now I'm just essentially um, helping people people out, you know, with, with what, what I have, have that, that I don't I don't have kids, I don't have, have you know certain ex- other expenses that I have been able to help some folks that need help more than I do. So, so, um, so yeah, yeah, that's really kind of what this group has, has become, become. Between, between you know, and I have this, this little tagline: the cure to endure, like. It's really finding people that you can talk to about this. And it's, it's crazy that I have people that I would consider some of my best friends that I've never met in person, you know. So it's just, it's unbelievable, really, what you can find from these kind of getting all together and rallying together for your health and
0: to share with one another. That's what all the power is, is when you get everyone together to work towards a single cause. I mean, it's like herding cats sometimes, but... Right. It's the most useful. Well, if you would like to see this um, show visually, mm-hmm. go over to our YouTube channel. Um, if you want to see some of the things that we're talking about, if you want to to visit the website, um, just go over to our show notes. I'll have everything all linked up right at the top. And thank you so much for giving me so much of your time this morning. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I took more
0: than more of your time than we anticipated. No, I'm so happy. I'm just getting to like this level of pain where I'm like, I am hearing like eighty percent of what you're saying and (laughs) I should probably take pills just about now. (laughs) So thank you for being in your notes, like I do, don't forget. Yes, absolutely. Well be kind, be gentle, be a badass. If you want to do something really nice for the show, head on over to Apple Podcast, I think that's what it's called now. It's still where we get most of our listeners and um, leave some things to say. Um, I do read everything. I mean, good and bad. I read it all. I take it all to heart. So um, be nice. Always be nice. Uh, (laughs) But be honest. All right. So um, thanks, everyone. Uh, Eva will be on next week. I don't know who she's going to be interviewing, but it will definitely be something fun.